What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I have been gushing over Glow Recipe lately. I've been using this one particular product in my routine now, and it's really easy to slip in and create this really incredible impact on your skin. But let me tell you a little bit more about Glow Recipe. Glow Recipe is a clean, fruit-forward, Korean beauty-inspired skincare brand. Their vegan and cruelty-free formulas pair antioxidant-rich fruit extracts with clinically proven actives for glowing skin. And that is no lie right there. Not only that, but they have the most beautiful eco-conscious packaging and it makes for an ideal skincare shelfie. If you don't know what a shelfie is, it's a shelf full of your skincare and you can take pictures of it and it's a shelfie. It's amazing. But now there's this one product from Glow Recipe that has been all over TikTok. And you know, if it's hit TikTok, that it is something worth trying. Their products have gone viral for a reason. Their Plum Plump Hyaluronic Serum is your hydrating, plumping, holy grail serum. It has juicy, antioxidant-rich plum and five molecular weights of hyaluronic acid that fill each skin layer with hydration for visibly plumper skin. Combined with vegan collagen, this silky water gel texture, which is my personal favorite, will leave your skin looking healthy and bouncy. That is the most perfect word to describe how your skin will feel. It's really easy to use. I've noticed a difference after only like a couple uses as well. Use one to two pumps of the serum after cleansing, but before your moisturizer, and that's going to get you the bounciest hydrated skin of your dreams. And like I said, they're going to arrive in eco-conscious packaging. Globe Recipe creates products that are good for your skin and gentle on the planet. Their glass jars are 100% recyclable and made of 20% post-consumer recycled materials. They also partner with TerraCycle on a recycling program, so every piece of their packaging can be recycled and reimagined. They're also partnering with Climate Neutral to become Carbon Neutral in 2022. And y'all, I have a coupon code. You got to get on this. If not for the cute eco-conscious packaging, then for that bouncy skin I told you about. And you can get 15% off Glow Recipe with code GLOWPAPAYA at GLOWRECIPE.COM. Now that's for 15% off at Glow Recipe. That excludes kits and it lasts until the end of August. So get on this right now. 15% off Glow Recipe with code GLOWPAPAYA at GLOWRECIPE.COM. One more time, that's GLOWRECIPE.COM. Use code PAPAYA for 15% off. Enjoy and go after that bouncy skin. You will not regret it. 
my friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Before we start today's show, I want to share with you a little bit of exciting news on something that might be happening over on the gram. Well, it is happening. It's not a might be. And I had to keep my podcast fam in the loop. So this coming week, you are going to see a really cool launch that I'm doing with Ficlo Beauty. Ficlo is this really incredible brand that is all about clean beauty. All of their makeup actually goes to work as skincare. So you're getting double for your money and it goes a long way. I've been using them for, I want to say about four years and I've sworn by their lip serum for years. It's like always my top product that I would swear by. And we wanted to collab on a way that people could get their hands on Ficlo, experience it in multi-use items that are for everyone. So we have the Birds Papaya Collection. It comes in a bag. You're going to get a lip serum. You're going to get a bronzing highlighting powder that works on all skin tones for different uses, from eyeshadow to bronzing to highlighting, whatever you choose. And as well as that, their incredible mascara that I've sworn by for so long. The wand has been upgraded. It is amazing. It is layerable, which means you can put on multiple layers or you can have it really thin if you want it as well. It's just really great stuff. So I'm excited for you to see it all. It'll be happening all over on my Instagram at the birds papaya. Enjoy today's episode and thanks for listening. Today's guest is Leslie Bangamba and I found her on the gram not too long ago and she instantly kind of became a friend of mine as we started video chatting with each other. Her story I have never heard in full form. So today when you're listening, I'm hearing this for the first time as well. And I did that intentionally because I really wanted to have this conversation with her face-to-face, and I wanted to ask the questions that maybe we all wanted to ask. When it comes to childhood safety, it is always a little bit difficult, and I just want to give a little bit of a content warning that we're going to be talking about some graphic things as we move through this episode, especially dealing with an injury and childhood trauma. Please enjoy today's show. Please learn from it. We have a lot of fun discussing and moving through it and really learning something that I didn't even know was a thing. And so I really took away so much from this. And I hope that by listening, there are going to be so many kids out there whose lives are saved from just a single listen to one conversation. What Leslie is doing is truly changing this world and saving so many kids. So let's listen and hear all the- We're having a great one. Today's a guest is going to, you're just going to fall in love with her as I have fallen in love with her. I'm not going to lie. I did somewhat poach her from seeing her on Jillian Harris's channel and her, her energy, but more importantly, her story and everything she's going to share with us today. I'm going to just disclose the fact that I chose not to hear the whole story before having the conversation with our guest today, because I wanted to be a part of this with you. I want to kind of learn alongside you as listeners and, and kind of be in this together. So please welcome Leslie Bangamba. Hello. <laughs> Now you have such a unique job title, and I know that's going to lend itself to our story today, but you are a child safety advocate. 
Beyond that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into being a child safety advocate, which I know that I used to like, just say it simply, this is going to be a big story. But first of all, just kind of give us a little intro to who you are and then let's get into all of that. So who am I? I am um, a 31-year-old mama. <laughs> I have three children. I'm Dwelle, who's 10, Akeem, who's six, and our sweet Amelie, who is two. I entered the child advocacy space, uh, not by choice. I can tell you that much. It was not something I said. When I grow up, I want to do this. <laughs> but last year, so April of 2020, my daughter ingested a lithium point battery unbeknownst to us to make a long story to condense for time. But uh, essentially I was loading my dishwasher and she was playing on the ground beside me and she proceeded to collapse. Prior to her collapsing, she had been teething. And as I always share with people, I'm like, I, ha- I always list how many children I have for the sake of saying, I have three kids. So the third one, you kind of got it down packed, not perfect. Yeah. But, um, you know, she was cutting two teeth. She had been a bit feverish, but, you know, just a few cuddles, kisses, hugs, you know, she was herself. And on that day in question, she was probably in the best mood she had been in the past few days. So I, that morning she had had a full breakfast, um, had eaten everything because her appetite wasn't the best in the days prior. And she was just in good spirits. So when I was loading the dishwasher, she was playing on in the kitchen floor. I just, you know, it was a regular Thursday. And um, so she collapsed. Within seconds, blood began to pour out of her nose. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And whew, I um, proceeded to pick her up, her eyes were rolling to the back of her head. I, I, I was panicking that moment. I have to like sit down and like really walk myself through it. So I picked her up, blood was pouring out of her nose. Her eyes were rolling to the back of her head. In that moment, I thought, okay, did she hit her back on the edge of the dishwasher? I don't. So I laid her back down thinking, just thinking of the CPR but I have done. And I was like, oh, she laid her back down because what if I move something and I just picked her up fran- frantically? It was when I laid her down, she was like, her lips had gone blue. She was, she, she was, she was gone. <laughs> um, I pick, I, I remember picking her up and just bolting out my door and running to a neighbor's house to call 911. I, I was, that, that part is so, like, I have to think. I have to think because I was running on adrenaline. Right. I was going to say, why would you go to your neighbors? I didn't know what to do. Her dad wasn't home. I was home with all the three kids. Yeah. Um, height of the pandemic, like, schools had just shut down the month before. So everything was, was shut down. Right. So we were just hanging out at home. And I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I... You know, we tell ourselves sometimes, well, if this happened to me, this is how I would react oh, until, no. until something happens to you and you draw a blank. I, I drew a blank. I, I did not know what to do. I, I, I just, my neighbor, thank God she was home and I'm yelling at her, telling her my daughter's dying, call 911. 
And bless her heart, she was so calm. She was so calm and steady. She's the one who spoke to 911. I, I couldn't talk. I was just crying. I remember by then I had been yelling so loudly. All the neighbors came out. And it was around April, so it was still pretty chilly outside. And I remember just one of my neighbors running back, looking at me like, she's cold. But she, her lip, like, I mean, he was limp. She was not mm-hmm. there. And she's like, I'm going to run back inside my house and get a blanket. And I just remember being, I ran out. I was wearing pajamas that day, so I wasn't even wearing shoes. And I just, I'm pretty sure I was barefoot and just you're running on adrenaline. You have no idea what's happening. So my neighbor called the ambulance. The ambulance came. It felt like forever. When they came, they performed some CPR on her and she was crying. And I remember thinking, oh my God, okay, she's alive, okay. And she was saying, mommy, mommy. And of course, they're asking me, what happened? And I said, I was loading my dishwasher and then she just collapsed. I I don't know. She just collapsed. I don't know. Maybe she hit uh, her back, the spine, hit the edge of the dishwasher. And I remember, like, I actually vividly remember them looking at me like, what's wrong with this woman, right? But I literally had no other explanation except that because she had been fine. She was so happy that morning when she woke up. And of course, it was the height of COVID. We still are experiencing COVID. But um, of course, they were asking us COVID questions. Has she been coughing and this and that? And they picked her up. They're like, Hey, we're going to take her to the ambulance. So we went to uh, our regional hospital here in Red Deer. And upon arrival, again, it was just a barrage. What happened? What happened? Please explain, walk us through it. And I'm explaining the story and and I'm explaining the story. And the more times I'm saying it, even I'm starting to realize like, this makes no sense. Like this doesn't even make sense. Like And at this point, I was saying it doesn't make sense because when she was crying for me, she was lifting herself up off of the bed like she was crying and lifting herself off off the bed and they were assessing her. And I call it a miracle because it helped direct what they needed to do. She vomited. She's crying for me. She vomits up what I would say be about a cup of coagulated blood. She just vomits. When she vomits, I remember... For a split second, I'm like, oh my gosh, whatever was bugging her, it's out. It's out, right? Thinking vomit. And I remember the nurses had to hold me back because I wanted to sift my fingers in there and know what was causing this distress for my child. And they, of course, pushed me back and they're like, no. They decided, they went through it. And I'm thinking, okay, did you find it? What was it? What, What was it? But it was that vomit which was really the beginning of our trauma, the doctors proceeded to do like a full x-ray. And it was then in the x-ray, they saw that there was, it looked like the size of a nickel stuck right there in her throat. And they said, we're going to intubate. I remember thinking, okay, can't you put a scope and like fish it out, right? Get it out. Let's get it out. And I remember the pediatrician, she looked at me and said, no, we're going to intubate her. And we're going to have her transported to Edmonton at the Stollery Hospital because if things get worse, they are better equipped to deal with it. And yeah, there's so many people along this journey of ours that I just wish I could hug them because every decision was a life-saving decision. And 
I'm grateful in that moment. I didn't push for them to just get it done in red deer. And they intubated her. The pediatric ambulatory team came to pick her up from Edmonton. They drove to red deer, picked her up. You know, as we started talking earlier, handing over control, I was handing over my daughter to strangers. I had no idea. We couldn't follow the ambulance. And it was, you're probably going to get there before us, but just keep on driving. So we drove. So you couldn't, was this because, sorry to interrupt, but because of COVID, was it you weren't allowed to be in it, in the ambulance, or was this already set standards? Honestly, I don't remember asking, but in the condition she was in, she when she was intubated, it was this huge machine behind her. And it was, I, I think it was a respiratory therapist, a nurse, and a doctor. And then, of course, the ambulatory team as well. So I think they were already full. Yeah, fair uh, enough. And Fair enough. And then, of course, COVID, right? So, And who is driving when you're driving? Oh, her dad. So okay. her father, by this point, he had come to meet me at the hospital, but he wasn't able to see her um, right. because of COVID. Because Only of one COVID. parent was, was allowed in the back. So I was experiencing this all by myself. He had to bring me clothes because I left. Like, I literally was wearing, like, a little nightie and my neighbor gave me her house slippers to wear into the ambulance. I was not, I needed to put clothes on. I was getting cold and I had blood on, I had blood on my, on my clothes. So it was just, I needed to change. And, um, we, uh, we drove to Edmonton. I remember just, it was such a silent car ride. And once we got to Edmonton again, we're met at the door with only one parent can go up to ICU. So I went, there's no way out. I was like, I need to be by yeah. my baby's side, you know, mama bear. I got to the ICU floor. The charge nurse came up. She's like, okay, they're on their way. They're just pulling up. We're going to get her settled. And, you know, we'll come out and get you. The doctors will talk to you and tell you what the plan is. So by then, Sarah, the whole drive, mind you, I saw the x-ray. It looked like a coin. The doctor in Red Deer had told me she thinks it's a battery, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go that it's a coin. I think it's a coin. That's what I'm going to stick to. So when the chargers comes up to me, I'm feeling calm, Sarah. It's like still traumatized, but calm. Like, okay, we're at the stallery. They know what to do. They're going to bring you in for surgery. They're going to fish it out. They're going to, every. we're going to be here for like two, three days. This whole nightmare is going to be behind us. So I literally was sitting there and, I, and, and I'm talking to Amini's dad and, and I'm telling him, and I'm like, you know, like, wow, like this nightmare is, is almost over. I really allowed myself to believe that. And as I'm saying these thoughts to myself, within 10, 15 minutes, the charge nurse comes running out, tells me, you need to come now. Your daughter is going into cardiac arrest. Oh my gosh. That quick. That quick. Like, I call me delusional, but I just didn't want to believe that. I just don't even think I realized that batteries could do this. Yeah. And I followed her and there was a whole team of people around our little girl and just giving her CPR. And I always remember looking up to that screen and every line was, was straight. No, you don't uh, have time. Every line was straight. And I remember yelling, you have to save my baby. My baby can't die. And 
because I'm yelling, the nurses are holding me back. And, and uh, we, they got a faint pulse. And I remember calling her dad saying, you need to come up, like our daughter's dying. And um, they got a faint pulse. And um, her dad gets on the floor and she went into cardiac arrest again. And this time, it, oh, oh, oof. it lasted longer. I remember them taking us and bringing us into a room. And Sarah, in that moment, I thought they're going to tell us our daughter is dead. They managed to get uh, a pulse again, a very faint one. And they made the decision on the floor. She was going in for surgery. It, I, I didn't see them make the decision. We had been escorted away from her by this point, And they just told us, we're taking her in for surgery. We don't know, but we're going to try. So she was the longest night of my life. The longest. I didn't sleep a wink. Even if my, I was so mentally, physically exhausted and just crying and praying and crying and praying. And I remember, I don't remember the time. I just remember the first knock on the door, the, the anxiety, the fear that set in when they opened the door. I didn't know if they were going to tell me that she had made it out of the surgery or if she had died on the table. And I don't say this to be morbid. It's just, it's the reality of, of what happened, what transpired. And um, so she had at least three different surgeons because what the battery had done, so it was a battery, not a coin. And the, the lithium coin battery had ruptured her esophagus. It had ruptured her trachea. It had ruptured her aorta. And it had ruptured her carotid left artery. And I'm not medical explaining, but for those... The carotid artery, I didn't even know what that was until this incident, but it's the artery that pumps blood from your heart to your brain, face, and neck. So with that rupture, she also suffered a stroke. So they were able to remove the battery. Again, ignorance is bliss. Once all the doctors came to talk to us, and then we were finally able to go see her in ICU, I thought, okay, she looked terrible. But I thought, okay, we're out of the woods not knowing she was essentially on ECMO, which is, I, I call it life support. The machine was doing the work for her because she, she wasn't breathing on her own. It was a long stay. I remember she had, it was just blood transfusion after blood transfusion. I am, I am, um, the smell of iron, iron has, blood has this smell. Yes. It and does. it's, it's now etched in my head. Like I know the smell because I was just around it and it was just constant transfusions, constant transfusions. I remember two days in, they said, okay, we're going to close her up. And I remember looking at them like, what? I'm like, yeah, we got to close her up. She's, she's been, she's been on, on ECMO. <laughs> and I remember one nurse, bless her heart. I have to giggle when I say this part, but bless her heart. I, I wish I could remember her name. She looked at me and said, Google nothing. Wise woman. She said, Google nothing. And it was that advice, even though the doctors were saying all these things to me and they were saying ECMO, I was hearing ECMO, ECMO, ECMO. And I'm thinking, oh, it's just this machine, you know, ECMO. And bless the people in my personal circle who work in the medical field who said nothing to me. Why? What is, what is ECMO really? ECMO really, it's, it's a form of life support. Like it does the work for your heart 
And I don't want to to medical explain this in the worst way, but essentially it's a form of life support. She wasn't, she wasn't really there. Like she was there, but the machine was doing all the work for her. So when they told me they had to close her up, it was because they were taking her off ECMO. But first they wanted to make sure her heart was beating on its own. Okay. Unassisted. Okay. Okay. So they were able to repair her heart. She was able to, the surgery was successful. It was successful. So she was, but she was placed on ECMO just to give her body some time to heal. But I was just looking at her. I remember those first two days, like, okay, she's just got to recover. She's very drugged up, but you know, we're, we're okay. Not knowing that we were still very much not okay. It was very touch and go. Even when they took her off ECMO, she had, I remember she had plural drains. So drain one drain on the left side of her small chest, one drain on the right side of her chest. And then her mediastinal drain, which was like coming out just under in the middle of her chest. So she still had a lot of medical stuff going on. So we stayed in the hospital. She was in ICU for about 13 days. Wow. Yeah. 13 days in ICU. And then she was transferred over to outpatient where um, she would begin, she would have rehab. Um, She had to relearn how to walk again because she couldn't walk. Even she had lost so much weight. Mm -hmm. And even outpatient, we dealt with a plethora of other medical issues. So what the battery had done, which is important for people to know, and it might not happen every time, but in our situation was, even though they had removed the battery, the chemicals, what it had done, it had created a hole between her esophagus and her windpipe. So they call that a fistula. Again, I, 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 words you never know until words words I never you know it's like you hear it but it's like okay we had to wait for that to close up and hope that it would close on its own or else they would have had to operate on her again and thank god it did close on its own but Sarah this journey has been a trip I always highlight the hospital component just because like you were saying I can't believe a battery well and I guess where I kind of want to talk now a little bit is the fact that even in listening to this, it can be really easy to be like, okay, we need to be careful about batteries. It can be very easy to zone in on something. But as you were speaking, it brought me back to a, not a parallel story, but a similar type of story in the sense of something so random that you never would really expect that was entirely preventable, but had happened. And this was Michelle Money. It was also last year, I believe. And uh, she was somebody that I think she was on The Bachelor or something at some point. I, I followed her along the way. She's this beautiful teenage daughter. And she was like a single mom. And, and I just loved her. And so she always had such a friendship type of relationship with her daughter. It was a, it was very, very um, sweet to watch. And suddenly one day she does this post and essentially her daughter is on life support. They do not know if she will be coming back. She was skateboarding. And she fell and hit her head and was found by neighbors and was basically, and she just went online and she was like, and again, I went to, okay, it's a helmet. It's a helmet thing. But what she spoke into was the fact that her friendship with her daughter caused her to not remind her and tell her and be diligent about putting on a helmet. Mm -hmm. And each time we hear stories like this, there's another one, um, Baby Boy Bakery, where, you know, online she talks about, you know, her son ran out on the road chasing a Frisbee and it was hit by a car. He sadly didn't make it. And we hear these stories and it's so easy to cling on to cars, batteries, bike helmets, 
but child safety is not just random events. There, There's a lot to it, and it can be very easy for us to get worked up and fixated and terrified about certain things. But I know that your story, even though I can't even imagine how many children this story is going to save. Just last week, I was talking to somebody about what it's like going back out into the world and the importance of prioritizing mental health during this time, because it can be incredibly overwhelming. So if you're feeling that, you're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. Sometimes confiding in the friend can help you feel a little bit heard, but you don't always get the practical advice that you might need. Last year, I reached out for help with therapy, and it was one of the best decisions I ever could have made for myself. This is why I love Talkspace. Talkspace makes it easy to match with a licensed therapist and schedule live video sessions all from the comfort of your device. You can start messaging your therapist the same day you sign up. Talk about meeting a need where it's at. The Talkspace app makes it easy to connect with your licensed therapist on your schedule without having to wait weeks before your next appointment. You can literally go anywhere and take your therapist with you. Whether you're a parent, student, millennial, or just someone having a hard day, Talkspace can provide the support you need to feel better. Whether you need individual or couples therapy, in addition to medication prescription services, you can set goals with your therapist and they can help you make sure you're really progressing. Talkspace, like I said, works around your schedule at your convenience. And whether you're experiencing anxiety, depression, or any other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. And with thousands of licensed therapists, they're set up for success to match you with one that you need with dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. So we can all start feeling better today. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code PAPAYA. That's $100 off when you use code PAPAYA at Talkspace.com. Now let's get back to today's show. Hey guys, it's me, Chriselle Lim, co-founder and CMO of Bumo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Bumo. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being Bumo at applepodcast.com slash beingbumo or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. Let's kind of finish with, um, not finish, but with how is Amelie now? Amelie is doing, it's day and night. She's doing so much better. We are still in it. And by Mm -hmm. in it, I mean, she's now fed with a G2. So it's just this cute little tube where I attach it to her kangaroo pouch and nutrients go straight into her stomach. It's a lifestyle now for her. Like she's a G2 baby, a G2 toddler. Um, we still have a lot of follow-up at the Stollery uh, Hospital. And I, I cannot, it's imperative that I shout out the Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton, Alberta, because <laughs> they, if not for them, we would not have our, our daughter. It's the equivalent of having sick kids in Toronto, like these hospitals that specialize in pediatric care are heaven sent. 
I, you know, I used to participate, you know, Ronald McDonald House, uh, DQ, they have DQ days here where the money yeah. donate goes to the story, right? Yeah. I did all that stuff, but never in a million years did I think I would need to utilize a hospital. I've been fortunate to have healthy pregnancies where I, I my children didn't require further care, but oh my goodness, the fact that when I needed the care, they were there. I, I mean, he already knows this or not, but birthday fundraisers are a thing. They're permanent. Like she has, if she decides to have children, our grandchildren are doing it. It's, it's permanent. <laughs> it's permanent. I love that. She's doing, it's a miracle. She's it's a miracle. It's, it's a miracle. Flatline and, twice. I can't, I can't stop thinking about that. I can't, I can't stop thinking about, and, and the, the belief in those doctors and the belief in themselves to take the step further to do the surgery after she flatlined twice, recognizing that that was the choice that they made that made or break this and who they had no idea if it was even going to work. I mean, <laughs> miracles happen like that is she is a walking miracle. Like medically, she should not be here because are assuming we don't know how long that battery was in her. So I was going to say, because you said that she wasn't feeling well. It could have been days. It could have been days. And that battery typically within two year, two hours of ingestion can be fatal. Oh my gosh. And I always, just to touch on what you were saying earlier, when I share the story, I, I, I share it because it's not that I'm, I'm trying to scare people. Because I feel like sometimes that's, that's, that's what I get. Like, oh my gosh, like, I am so scared of this. And it's, no, I'm, and that's why when I started raising awareness, I, I went as far as working to get the attention of Duracell. I, I wanted a large corporation behind me to help push this message. And the timing could have not, it was so serendipitous because when as I was raising awareness, Ashley, I reached out to Ashley Freeborn, who's amazing from Smash and Test. And I yes. said, <laughs> I reached out to her and I said, Ash, listen, I know so many caregivers buy your rompers. Could I do a blog feature with Smash and Test? Because I know a lot of the people that buy your rompers are, are female and women who, women who may be mothers or caregivers, loving aunties, whatever. And I just, I need them to know. And she just, they jumped on it and they were like, okay. And we did it because no word of a lie. I literally went to Edmonton with no clothes, Sarah. And, but the one thing that I did order once we realized we were in there for the long haul, I'm like, well, I need my rompers. <laughs> because- oh, amen. <laughs> Honest to God. I don't know what I would have done this pregnancy. I don't know what I would have done postpartum to have something that's going to fit and just become... I, I'm all for clothing that keeps you not distracted by your body. And I will say that about a romper is it keeps you not distracted. Like you just don't have to think about that. You can just focus on what's in front of you, what's going on. And in a time like that, I can imagine you really need to focus on what's going on. You have no time for pants that are sitting with a weird nudge on them. Like, no, no, nothing. And on top of that, I know any medical mom will attest to this. I needed something that I could just wear to the hospital go to sleep in, wake up, participate in the rounds and not look like a hot mess. <laughs> and the, it, it was perfect. And I remember even in the rounds, because Emily was getting better. I would say like once we were a month in, I remember a few nurses, we do the rounds. And then once we were done, they'd be like, hey, 
where'd you get that romper from? Is that a smashing test? And I'd be like, yeah, it is. And they're like, oh, okay. It so is it, such a following with those. Like, I I will spot them on the street. Is that the Sunday or, yeah, the Sunday? Okay, it's a this, Sunday romper. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. You're wearing a, a I want to say it's the I'm Thursday. I'm on Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, you're Tuesday. Tuesday. I'm wearing a Tuesday. I, just, I chose to wear pink just for you. <laughs> so this gives me a really great question. Before we go a little bit more into, you know, child safety, um, knowing NICU parents or sick kids' parents a lot of people are like, what can I do? I felt this when my um, my best friend just delivered premature twins and everyone felt helpless. Like, what, what do you need? And they're, it's almost asking them to be laborious about answering what they need because then it's just adding all, like, I don't have time to answer 30 people and telling them like what our needs are today and just being able to show up for somebody in that season. You mentioned rompers. That was a very, very real. <laughs> Honestly, that's a real one. It, that's a great NICU sick kids. And you can't give too many. So it's fine if like, no. 50 people did it for you. That's fine. What are some other things that you would recommend to, you know, supporting? I, I really believe in village-like um, raising of children. So in this instance, yes, it might be your child, but we are going to come across other families. It might be our own. Let's hope not. We're going to know somebody where their kids are in a place and that parent needs that support. What, what would you say or what are your top things that you would recommend in showing up to help them? What I learned in my experience is find out who is their main point of contact. Because just like you said, there's nothing more laborious than repeating yourself to four, five, ten different people. They all mean well. But all that does is it takes energy from you, which could be going towards your child because you're repeating yourself. So if you can find out who their main point of contact is, because there is going to be someone either. Like for me, it was my mom and my sisters were always on up to date on this is how the night went. This is what we're going through. My best friends, of course, were also in on that. But I try to just keep it simple and not, um, and to everyone is different. And I, I'm, give, I'm prefacing this. I am not judging anyone who's able to share their story while in the thick of it. I don't know how they do that. And I say that with like a round of applause, like not because I just, it was so much energy, just even writing down how the night went, what had transpired, what were the next plans. Another thing you can show for people, if you can, of course it was ahead of a still, we're still experiencing COVID, but you know, some people ordered us dinner on Skip the Dishes, which was so appreciated. Some people would cook for us, you know, reluctantly, my best friends had tried to uh, start a GoFundMe for us in the beginning. And I said, no, I, I don't want to go GoFundMe. You know, we're going to be okay. I don't want anyone's money. Like, you know, but it was my pride. It was my pride. <laughs> it was a pride. Let people help you, you know, with the GoFundMe or any type of fundraising, then the parents can choose where it's, it's, it's best suited. And for us, it really helped because because of COVID, we weren't able to get into the Ronald McDonald house because we were a new family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because we were a new family. So we, the Ronald McDonald house though was amazing. And they did give us some gift cards for gas and gift cards for groceries. Okay. Cause how far was the hospital for you? The hospital, we, the Ronald McDonald house to that hospital is only like five minutes. So close, but we ended up just picking the closest Airbnb that we could find so that if we had to be at the hospital, if I had to run there, I could run there. Yes. <laughs> so yes. we picked the closest one. So, and then of course, like I know groceries, 
Sarah, I wasn't cooking. I had no energy. No. So everything was, was, it was takeout, right? So just everybody will have different needs. We were fortunate that my mom flew down from Ottawa and she stayed with our two boys at home. So that was one less stress to worry about or else we would have had to be separated and, you know, alternate between her care and leaving her. And, but the best thing you can do is ask. I always say ask because I can give a general consensus. I've seen some people where someone started the fundraiser for them, Sarah, and they shut it down and they said, we need your prayers. Money is great, but right now I just need your prayers because no amount of money is going to change the circumstance. We need a miracle. Right. Mm, So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think really just being aware and sensitive to, okay, who is their main point of contact and finding that out, even if it's just to contact them to be like, Hey, who can I reach out? Like, I don't need you. Yeah. Who can I reach out to? That person can advocate for those needs. Let's, you know, keep you focused on what you need to focus on that. That's fantastic advice. And honestly, I think that that is a really great way to frame just showing up for people because like we said, we never know if it's going to be us. We never know if it's going to be our neighbor or whoever else. I think just that just showing up however you can and however you are able to support is really important. Thanks for letting us take a little pause on this conversation for one of our sponsors. And today I'm going to talk right now about Love Every. You've heard me talk about them before, but I am a huge fan. You've seen it with my sweet Lemmy always using them on the gram as well. Watching your little one learn and grow is just the best feeling in the world. But finding the right toys to help them grow and learn can be a little challenging, and I didn't really expect that it would be. We have been loving Love Every because the toys have been so fun. She has rattles and shakes and different flashcards, so many things that keep her engaged in play. Love Every's play kits are designed by experts for your child's developing brain. Each play kit is tailored to your child's exact learning stage, so they have the right toys for the right time with new play kits delivered every few months that grow with your child. Play kits come with unique one-of-a-kind activities and playthings that are built to endure plenty of play, and I will attest to that. Lemmy loves to throw hers across the room, and they are surviving perfectly. Each kit comes with a play guide as well that's packed with expert tips, ways to play, and do-it-yourself at-home activities your kids will love. We love this one little book that she got. It's like a fabric one with little tags on the edges and it has little slots to put pictures in. We put family pictures in there and talk about her siblings or we put little flashcards in. It's just been a really fun interactive way to play with our daughter. So let's take the guesswork out of your child's play. Choose Love Every today and get free shipping when you sign up to receive your play kits at loveevery.com slash papaya. I'm going to spell this out for you. So it's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com slash papaya for free shipping. Loveevery.com slash papaya. Thanks for listening. And let's get back to today's show. But let's get into what you do now and the child safety advocacy that you are doing. How, again, the battery. Now, first of all, let's just describe these batteries are the coin-like batteries. The coin-like batteries. They're they're two, they come in different sizes. They go in remotes, like. Yeah, remotes, your fob, like most fobs for uh, 
vehicles. Yeah, which babies play with all the time. All the time, all the time. Um, even for, they're in so, and if you have a, a certain, yeah, a lot of TV remotes and most of them don't have a screw. Some of them have a screw in yeah, the they back just where slide it's out. secure. Some of them, they just slide out. They are in cards. You know, those great singing cards that we love to give oh. people. And I, I think I saw one yesterday. Yeah, we <laughs> totally did in my house. <laughs> and yeah, those cards, they're terrible. They can just pop out of there. So I'm not saying ban those cards, but I'm saying maybe if you get that card. Be careful to dispose them and not let a baby play with them. Exactly. I li- I'm not kidding you. I literally said, you know who's going to love this card? Lemmy. And we gave it to her to play with. I'm not kidding you. That happened yesterday. Right. But it, and again, girl, as a mom to a fellow mom, you know, when you, I don't, like when you know better, you do better. And when, if you don't know, you just don't know. Right. Of course. But this is why I love that we're having this conversation because even if we're going to hyper-focus on batteries a little bit here, oh my gosh, batteries are everywhere. They're everywhere. And in, th- in and they're in life-saving devices too. That's why when for the child safety ad- advocacy segue, like how I even entered it, was I angry that this happened to my daughter? Yes. I could have one, I could have a chosen to just focus on that anger part and demonize batteries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or B I could have chosen to educate. And the spark for me had started by talking with smash and test, doing a feature with Canadian blood services, which is very near and dear to my heart. I always uh, let people know that I, I will annoy you with my talk on Canadian blood services, but People need to Everybody know. donate blood if you can donate blood. Oh, I'm an O negative. I'm an O negative, so all my friends keep me real close because I can uh, I'm ready for everyone. Sarah, I say that I share the statistic all the time. Do you know less than four percent of Canadians are sustaining our blood banks? What? Yes, less than four percent, which means about I think the statistics are fifty-two to fifty-four percent of Canadians are eligible, but less than 4% donate. Wow. My husband did just for the first time. And he was like, that was actually a surprisingly amazing experience. Like he was like, it was really easy. Like it was nice. They treat you so well. I was in and out. Like it wasn't, it wasn't this process. I can't do it right now because when I was pregnant, I had to get the Rogam thing, but I, I like giving blood. And if you do it regularly to give you a card, you don't have, you get to skip the whole like process thing. Let this be like a little segue into us being like, go donate blood. Yes, absolutely. That is an astounding fact to hear less than 4% are sustaining. Cause how many, do you know how many trans, like how many people donating would have saved your daughter? Do you know that number? Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine, but I know it's multiple because yeah. I, even in that moment, I just remember them bringing in packets. I just remember them bringing in packets like in the operating room alone, Sarah, she required over 4.2 liters of blood. Wow. Over, just in the operating room alone. And then for that first week while she was in ICU, it was transfusion after transfusion after transfusion. Like it was, I, I remember, you know, God bless healthcare workers. I remember what the one night when she was, it'd been a week of transfusions and her, her urine finally went from looking like a, a really dark fruit punch to this rosé and we cheered. We cheered. We cheered. Like these, you find the joy in the smallest places, but we cheered because her urine at one point looked like it was just the blood coming through again, morbid, sorry, but this is, this was what happened. And I remember when 
we were checking the packets because she had a whole bunch of packets. And I was like, oh my God, is this her earring? I'm like, I'm like, it looks like rosé. Yay. <laughs> the joy. The joy. Like we, we, we cheered about that. So where do we go from here? Where does, how do we be, you know, if we're going to learn better, do better, what is, what is your recommendations of next steps when it comes to this type of safety? This type of safety. So one of the things that, and I'm totally going to sound like a partner right now, but I'm a proud partner because listen, this far, Girl, our partner story. Away. Yeah. So when I reached out to Duracell and I reached out to Duracell specifically because they released a non-toxic code, uh, bitter coating for their lithium queen batteries. To pr- so that if a if a child put it in their mouth, they're like, Egh! and then they spit exactly. it out. Exactly, it's to help. It's to help protect. So when my girlfriend sent me the news article that they were releasing this battery, I remember sitting at home thinking, okay, how do I get their attention? Like, I'm not, I'm not a celebrity. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm Leslie from Red Deer, Alberta. Like, I, you know, and I saw the different people that we were working with and I thought, okay, how am I going to do this? Sarah, your girl got busy. I was on LinkedIn. Yeah. I was trying to find names. I was. That's DMing. how you do it. You got to go into LinkedIn. Uh, I've learned I'm, that. Oh, Sarah, I was cold emailing. And I remember when I finally got a response back and they're like, okay, we're going to transfer this information over to so-and-so and hopefully they'll be in touch in my head. I was like, okay, someone responded. This poor woman, I probably emailed her like every so often, hey, just following up. I haven't heard from <laughs> But I had no care because I knew that what I knew my why. My why was I need to partner with you guys to talk about this battery and to and to push it not because I believe in it, because of what happened to my daughter. Like, yes, you may partner with these Olympians and amazing, famous people. And that's great. As long as the message gets out there, that's great. But there's a difference in someone talking about what they're doing to prevent versus someone's lived experience of my daughter actually ingested this. And now they have released a product that can help, help protect our child. We still have to be monitoring our children you know, this is a last form of defense, but in our house, for example, anything that takes a lithium clean battery is a Duracell non-toxic bitter coated <laughs> battery. That is, yeah. And that, and, and even if that's the small change that it takes in each of us kind of moving forward, you know, obviously monitoring your kids is best, but we can't bubble wrap them. We can't helicopter them. We have to teach them. And, you know, even if you completely childproof your home, and then you go and visit grandma and grandpa's or your neighbor's house. There are differences in every single home. So having these conversations not only are for our own children, our own homes, it's it's considering everybody else's as well and the homes you might enter into. Because I used to be a big, like, I'm not, I don't want to childproof my house. I want to teach my kids what safety mm-hmm. is because if they go to so-and-so's house, they're just going to stick their fingers in outlets. And how are we going to prevent? I don't know where I stand on that now because now I, I literally want to bu- bubble wrap my child. I am. <laughs> it's a little bit different as you get older. I get, a, I was a little bit more naive and trusting when I was in my early twenties and, and my kids were babies, but we have, um, you know, you hear a story like Amelie and she is, she's here, but she has lasting effects from what happened. Now, I know that with Duracell coming out with that battery, 
you weren't the first and you won't be the last. Do we know? I don't mean put you on the spot. Do we know how many children have ingested and, you know, it's been either fatal or long lasting impacts? So I had to get the information from the CDC because with Duracell had already started raising awareness about power safety on their website. So me joining on as a, a partner and share and their shared, they share our story on their website as well. I had to get information from the CDC, the American counterpart. I know over 3,000 children have these ingestions per year. I don't know the number of children that succumb to this injury. One of the things that is on my radar is bringing this in Canada and having it properly identified and tracked so that if you have, when you have the numbers, you can create a game plan, right? If it's not, I believe ingestions, like I had to check with the province where I reside in Alberta and they do track ingest foreign object ingestions with children, but I don't know if it's specific, like the child ingested X child ingested Y. So one of the things for me is with this on the rise, is to one, just educate people through our story, but for it to also be tracked, like it needs to be tracked nationally in in Canada. I I shouldn't be getting my statistics from the U.S. I'm Canadian. I live in Canada. This needs to be tracked here. So that's definitely a part of the advocacy for me. And one of the biggest things for me too, Sarah, as I enter the space is I'm a Black woman. There's not a lot of child safety advocates in this space that I have learned. I I think about the times when, you know, growing up, I don't know if you grew up watching like 60 Minutes, 2020. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So all those shows, like when they, someone would come on and talk about their story, whether good or tragic, most of the time, I don't recall, they never really they never look like me. No. And there's statistics behind that. I've, I've heard this before where because audiences were more empathetic or paid attention more to white families. So therefore, those are the stories that got told. Exactly. And, you know, with this reawakening, I know some people, I know some people like to be super negative Nancys and mock woke, but really people reawakening and yes. learning of you know, how marginalized communities are affected. For me, this is, this is a long-term plan because until I decided to enter the space and Duracell decided to amplify my voice and all these other partnerships and people who have chosen to work with me, even yourself, like this is a form of amplifying my voice and changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. Changing the narrative because what happened to my daughter had nothing to do with my socioeconomic status, with my race. It can happen to anyone. Right. So I, for me, it's a really scary space to be in because I'm a pretty private person. <laughs> um, that's why you asked the question, how did you enter this space? Uh, it was not in my plan. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't, and I think that this is one of those things we see often where parents become advocates into certain things because of circumstances that have happened to them. But it takes these stories, it takes this awareness to really save the next, the next kid. It's going to make a difference. It's going to be, you know, if, if another woman potentially, or, you know, whoever is listening to this podcast finds their child potentially collapsed or unresponsive to be able to say, check for a battery. Like these are these, if, if it just becomes awareness, 
Mm-hmm. then it can be something that we can watch for, we can listen for. I will never look at a remote or a singing card the same way again. It takes these stories. And, and I think it's important that we continue to amplify them, which is why like, my goal here is not to take your story and broadcast it on the podcast. I want people to pay attention to you and I want them to pay attention to what you're doing, which is why I think it's going to be incredibly important that not only, and I think everyone's going to be peeping now because they want to know that sweet little girl and what she looks like. (laughs) Oh, she's so, I got to see a little peek of her before we started. And I just, I just literally put my hands over my mouth. It's she's, she's a lot to contain. She's a, okay. (laughs) But I do want to know how do we, how can we best support you? Is it following you on Instagram? It is, is it checking the batteries in our home? Is it both? Is it everything? How can we show up? How can we get more of Leslie in our lives and continue to amplify not only your story, but the work you're doing? For me, the number one gift you can give me is checking your home first for the safety and and not just batteries, everything, but I, you know, I highlight batteries because of what happened to my daughter, but just staying battery safe. So when you change out your batteries, making sure you store them somewhere that is locked away from children, finding out yeah, and finding out even you can call there are certain stores that when your batteries are no longer working in their attended device, you can dispose them. They have a, a battery recycle program. Finding out about that because even what I've learned along the way is just because the battery is no longer working in the attended device, if a child was still to ingest it, it would still have a charge because essentially once the battery touches, mixes with the saliva, it creates a current which starts to burn the tissue. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So, so just, even a dead battery is, is yes. alive as a day. Uh, uh, yeah. Essentially even a dead battery, it's alive, treated the same way. So properly disposing of it. Um, you know, I think the number one culprit in a lot of our homes are junk drawers, right? Like you just throw it in there and you don't realize you sometimes you just want to grab something really quickly and something might pop out. So just being mindful of what's in the junk drawer, right. And just being hyper vigilant of, disposing when you're changing like for me now all batteries are in a safe sounds a bit extreme but I have PTSD so <laughs> um, you know yeah so ours stay in a, in a in a locking key safe just for my peace of mind and then of course I recycle once I have a you know a bunch I just take them and I have them recycled and okay properly disposed of but just doing that and then of course yeah supporting me doing this is so out of my realm but I'm going to start a blog. This is not out of your <laughs> realm. You were, you, in, in a makeshift way, somehow I feel like this found you because you are truly, I know you were like, well, I never set out to do this. Well, I don't think this happened for this. Re- I, I love to repeat this saying that I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but good can come from everything. And I really do. You have, you're an incredible interview. You're an incredible writer. You do really great at social media and awareness. You're also just really fun to follow because you video, you're, you are a little bit of comedy. You are. <laughs> I love to share it all. And that's one of the things that are like, even like in connecting with you and is our, what happened to my daughter, what happened to our family is tragic, but there's so much more to me than just battery mom. You know, there's sharing motherhood, sharing about my children. I mean, my oldest these days, I, I have to ask him now, can I post you? And if he says, oh, yes. I'm there. That's why yeah. everybody if always thinks I have one kid. 
if he says yes and it's like okay thank you and if he says no i don't post it so it looks like Amelie's my favorite but really my boys i give them that autonomy of yes. if you don't want to do this you don't have to so you know my page i just want it to be a community and that's why even with the blog is to talk about motherhood and also like pass the spotlight onto other parents who yes. are experiencing because i think over the years, like I have learned so much, like just in raising awareness, I've connected with so many, unfortunately, but it's still a blessing. I, I, I say blessing this as the gift of meeting these amazing people, but I've learned about um, SMA from Jessica Jansen because she lost her son to that. I've learned about awareness about cancer in children because of my good friend, Heather, and she lost her daughter, Evelyn, to, to cancer. Uh, my cousin even now is bringing up her own page because my my nephew has Prater Willie syndrome, something that I wasn't aware of. So there are so many things that affect children and families are going through. And one of the reasons why I love your page, especially is because you share your story, your journey, right? And people don't realize the power in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Even if it affects just one, you get to one person, what it just touches that one person or you've educated even just that one person, they're just more aware. And that's it. And I, and I took this line away that you, and I wrote it down earlier. It's about raising awareness, not fear, because we are, we can take this awareness and we can do something with it and we can continue to listen. And I think that a lot of times when trauma happens, it can feel a little bit like that accident on the highway. You kind of rubberneck and you watch and like, what happened and and what went on there? And it's very easy to keep driving, but there are certain stories that with that awareness, wake us up a little bit too. And I, and I feel like this yours is one of them for me that will, has truly woken me up. And I want to just say this to you, this is going to be my, I'm going to say this boldly and committing right now. I want you to come on my blog. I want you to tell your story in a bigger way too. And I want us to, I want to be a part of helping change families homes to prevent this from ever happening again. Anything I can ever do to support you, obviously you can always reach out, but I just really believe in what you're doing. And this is the first time I've really heard your story in full. And I am just so in awe of everything that I learned here today. I know everybody listening is going to feel the same way. So where can everyone find you right now? If they're like, okay, we're hopping off this podcast. I need to go find this. I need to go find Leslie. I need her in my life. Uh, Where are we going to find you? I need her in my life. So I'm on Instagram um, has at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E, Bangamba, B-A-N-G, Bang. And then I'm Bang. A-M-B-A. So at Leslie Bangamba, you can find me uh, same on Facebook, same handle. It's yeah, it's Leslie B or L Bangamba, but you'll just put Bangamba. You'll find me. We're going to find, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing your story. I know it's a lot to share and uh, I really appreciate you doing that. Cause I know that within it not being easy to tell, it is going to save lives. I really do believe that. So thank you so much. And to everyone listening, please go check out Leslie, go Go see her sweet family, but go and continue to not only be entertained, but educated and made aware and find out how you can make those small, subtle changes in your life just to, you know, create more safety in your home, not only for your own children, but for others that might be visiting as well. Thank you so much, Leslie. And we will see everyone back next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. 
And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.